0: It's just a little white lie. It's not going to hurt anybody, right? Well, I may have you uh, double check your thinking after this episode. Hi, <laughs> my name's Aiden. Um, this is Spearwalker, episode 6, uh, season 2, and it's What is Sin? is the name of the episode. Today we'll be looking in through the progression of. Um, what sin is defined by in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and how actually sins were changed in view around the time of Jesus and his death. We will also uh, go through what sin's repercussions are, what how they affect the world, and what they uh, make you vulnerable to. Alright, so if we look at the Old Testament I'm only going off of a few notes. Most of it is just going to be, um, I guess you could say, unscripted. I just have a few notes to stay on topic, though. I want to look back um, at what is sin defined by the Bible in chronological order because, believe it or not, it does change. And that may sound hypocritical of the Bible, but I'll explain um, why it actually is important just a bit later. If we look back in Exodus... Um, when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, he brings down the Ten Commandments with him. These Ten Commandments are the laws of God, the laws of the Jewish people, which kind of transformed into Christianity and uh, separated from there. And I'll explain that as well later. But here are the laws You shall have no other gods before me, you shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your mother and your father. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Now, these are, um, I guess I can break these down to simpler words. You shall have no other gods before me, meaning that... You shall not worship anything other than me. You should not believe in any other gods other than me. Because what the Lord is saying at this moment is that he is the one and true God. And all those are false images. You shall make no idols. You can see this in the Old Testament too. Um, where they make like bronze calves and oxes. And the ox um, in the Old Testament is actually called Baal. And... Um, It was actually a standoff between those followers of Baal and Elijah, who um, showed them the one and true God. Um, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. People say this a lot. Um, You can you can hear it from the older people, but it is a serious thing. Back in the Old Testament, if you said the Lord's name in vain, say you stub your toe, stub your toe, and uh, on like I don't know piece of furniture, say Jesus Christ. That is actually called blasphemy. And you can be killed for that just by saying that. That is like how serious these sins are and how serious um, God treats them. Because what he's comparing you to is righteousness. He's not comparing you to, oh, most people are good. No, he's comparing you to righteousness and to uphold righteousness. Yep, no one can do that in the Old Testament. No one could do that in the history. Of the human race, other than Jesus Christ Himself, so what they had to do in the Old Testament is, if they broke one of these Ten Commandments, they would have to sacrifice. I believe either a dove or a lamb. Um, keep the Sabbath day holy. That has a lot. Um, it had a lot more upkeep back in the Old Testament and in the beginning of the New Testament because um, it was really hardwired into culture at that time. Um, people base their weeks off of the Sabbath day. Today, um, people believe it is Sunday. We have a lot more secular culture now. Um, I believe the Jews uh, still have a Sabbath or a Sabbat or something like that, and they will um, honor that. Um, but that did that did change a little bit in our culture, and I'll go to explain that later. Honor your father and your mother, and that's exactly as it sounds. Um, there's a saying, honor is given and respect is earned. Um, Say your mother or your father isn't the greatest person or is not there for you all the time. Um, You know, you honor them as your mother and father because they were chosen as your mother and father. You don't have to respect them, but they have some wisdom and some insight uh, because they've lived longer than you that can help you out you shall not murder. That's pretty obvious. You shall not commit adultery. This rule even changes um, in the New Testament with Jesus, and I'll explain that later as well. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which also people translate, you shall not lie, and you shall not covet, which is a little bit like greed in a way. All right, so those are the Ten Commandments, and the reason why, um, the Bible pinpoints sin out a lot, is say you're new to Christianity and say you're a child. If there was no rule book on what you can and cannot do, how are you supposed to know what you can and cannot do? That, that's pretty much why it is there. Um, but um, it's confusing to some people how this changes throughout um, the history of the Bible. It'll go up through the entire Old Testament being upheld, sacrifices and everything, until Jesus' time. Jesus now is, um, he was seen by the, what what we would call the uh, priests of that time, the Pharisees. The Pharisees at that time saw him as a blaspheming man, um, some of them, other than, say, um, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was actually pretty open-minded to Jesus' teachings, even though he didn't drop everything to follow him. Um, but the Pharisees saw what he was teaching as blasphemy, because say you compare, um, Jesus said, if you look after lust, have, you know, look after a woman in lust and have lustful thoughts about her, entertain lustful thoughts about her, stuff like that, you have already committed adultery in your heart. And so there's like physical adultery, and then there's also spiritual adultery, which you can commit. And it's... um a lot more heavy-handed and a lot more on your mind and how to stay mentally pure, keep your heart pure um, before the Lord because that's um, the Bible says that's where the Lord presides. He presides in you and that you should keep um, yourself clean as yourself as a temple. Um, not much of anything else changes. Um, I guess I can explain Sabbat or Sabbath uh, a little better. Um, the reason I feel that modern-day Christianity, we keep this day holy um, in a different way. Back in the uh, Jewish times, during the kingdoms of Jerusalem and stuff like that, um, they it was so heavy-handed in culture, so heavy-put in culture, because what would happen is um, you break one of these, you either go to jail, or you get put to death. Um, so people really obeyed these things back then because they had a king who um, respected the Lord, loved the Lord most of the time, <laughs> um, and um, would enforce these laws as well. Now here in modern day culture, we have democracies and um, even governments that uh, don't allow any religion at all. So it, it's a what we have to decide as Christians is one. Um, interpret this carefully. The way we interpret this is set a day aside for the Lord, um, where you're just, um, that day, you're not really trying to um, improve yourself. You're not really trying to gain anything out of that day, make money, anything like that. Um, And we like to do it Sundays. Um, Sundays are kind of the day seven of our week. Um, Some people say it's the first day, and, hey, if it's the first day, then whatever. <laughs> I don't really care. Um, as long as you, I feel, have um, that last day of your week, um, part of it is just to rest, relax, contemplate, and set that day aside for the Lord. Um, that is important and not only your mental and spiritual health, but also just obeying what the Lord has told you. Um, that is, kind of covers it. There's other things. Um, Jesus kind of makes points. There's, like, smaller hidden rules in the Old Testament. Like, people weren't allowed to eat certain meats because they were unclean, or people weren't allowed to have, say, tattoos on them. Jesus um, came back and revisited those sins and uh, confessed to those people that um, that they don't really need to um, follow those anymore because, um, I guess, the I don't. I guess I'd have, I'd have to research why um, those laws changed, and research why those um, aren't sins anymore. Um, but I mean, Jesus is Jesus, and God can do what He can, <laughs> what He wants to do. We can't put God in a box and say you have to do this and do this, and can't go outside of this. Um, he can literally um, make anything. Um, I mean, sure, you can't like. Reverse murdering, you know, he can't do that. But so, tattoos, meats, stuff like that. Um, I've, I really feel he changed those just because of the mentality of the church. Um, and what he really emphasized his time on earth was about the condition of your heart. Because if you look back at those times, um, worshiping was done in one place in a building and um, visiting God was only a privilege for those who were higher up in the priesthood. The high priests would only be able to go into the throne room of God. But when Jesus died, now comes this new wave and um, allows the Holy Spirit to come into people so they can actually worship through their hearts and souls. So what Jesus was trying to do is purify people's hearts, purify people's minds, and so that when they receive the Holy Spirit, or where they receive the Holy Spirit and start that purification process. Um, I mean that—that's what I said earlier. That's the temple of God. That's the throne room of God. That's in your heart, and you should keep that clean and honor God in that way. Um, let's look at how. I mean, actually, I'll, I'll discuss a little bit how um, sin can affect people. Um, there's obvious things: murder and kill someone, and the family has to deal through that. And um, 99% of the times, that person will get put into jail or that person will be put to death. Um, that is a no-brainer. We have those really obvious signs. Um, we also have um, very minimal things um, as well. Um, I really, when I, when I look at sin, um, even it's, it's a white lie that you can tell. Um, deceitfulness is also a sin. Being deceitful, trying to get something your way, um, that really doesn't matter. Um, it just comes down to principle because if you can't hold those laws into like the smallest bit, you know, the smallest, uh, having the smallest repercussions, it just builds a habit of you breaking that sin over and over to where you get a temptation um, to lie to your boss, to lie to your family, to stuff like that, it just builds up like a snowball, um, was what I'm trying to say, you committed sin over and over and over, and it becomes normalized, and then it just, uh, it, it explodes on you pretty much. Um, that is some small, how it kind of starts with sin, um, you can look at family trees, or generational curses, and the ways those work, um, major like sins, adultery, and murder, um, stuff like that, that happens up the family tree, um, i try to visualize this, in the spiritual realm, it opens, um, spiritual doors, and what happens is when a sin like that is committed, um, a lot of evil spirits, curses are allowed to fall upon that person and that family and follow them through things until someone's smart enough to break the chain, you know, that's why you'll see a lot of, um, say someone has a violent mother or father um that's because their mother or father was violent or say an abusive mother or father that's cuz their uh mother or father was abusive um stuff like that it follows down the uh chain and lineage of a family and until someone is smart enough um to break it and say no I'm not going to put my kids through this I'm not going to put myself through this again um could look at um, the way, the way spiritual doors open within yourself and not, um, ex, you know, expanding onto others. Um, uh, there's a lot of self-hate that can come from committing a certain sin. There's a lot of, you know, you can have doubts. You can have um, stronger temptations to other sins. The Bible does say about, um, God will not give us a temptation we cannot handle. But if we start preemptively um how you would say, entertaining certain temptations subconsciously because we break a certain sin over and over again, it's just going to become part of your nature. And um, you know you don't want to be known as a liar, um, a coveter, an adulterer, a fornicator, anything like that when you come between God um, and his throne. Because what happens with that is the Lord will judge you on those laws. Say you've ever lied in your life, no matter how small, by God's law, you are a liar. Say you have, uh, so if you ever lied in your life, um, no matter how small, no matter how young you were, anything like that, um, you are a liar. Now say like a, a child, he lies and he doesn't really know what he's doing and a child dies at a young age, the Lord will not like judge him like that because their brains aren't Fully developed to understand stuff like that, but say you've um, stole something, no matter how small, a dollar here, taking something and not giving it back, Um, then you are a thief. Um, Say you have looked after someone at uh, lust, Um, then you are an adulterer. So you can be so many different things by um, what the world classifies as oh, little white lies, little white things, little little dots here and there. Um, those can get you in huge trouble, because when you get to the throne of God, and when you are judged, um, you are set um, on God's law, whether you broke it or not, no matter what way you broke it or not. It's not unlike, oh, it wasn't that bad. You can go, no, God is a just God, and if you have, say, it's a court of law, you have a fine against you, $50. dollars you got to pay that sentence, because what um, crimes are paid in wages, right? So you commit a crime, say you park illegally somewhere, you get a parking ticket. Your wager is that you have to pay that parking ticket. Say you um someone's a serial killer and they serial kill or they go around uh, you know, a killing spree, they get um their wager is death, usually through the death chair or a life sentence in prison. Here in the Bible, the wage of sin is death. So, it's not like you can bring your money to heaven and pay off your sins. You can take your good works to heaven and pay off your sins. No, you have your sins, what you have committed, or what you have not committed. If you have committed sins, then you better put your trust in God. You better put your trust in Jesus, because Him dying for your sins is the ultimate sacrifice. Just like in the Old Testament, how you had to sacrifice, say, a dove or a lamb, um, to save you from sins. Um, Jesus was that huge sacrifice, God himself sacrificed himself so that we wouldn't have to come and pay those fines with our lives. He paid his life so we could keep ours and be in the kingdom of God with him. So say you have not uh, put your trust in God and you have committed, say you've like followed all nine of them, right? Except at a young age, um, throughout your teenage years, you didn't respect your mother and father. Boom. I mean, that. It's it's God's law, and you just broke it. Something as simple as that, um, being rude to your parents, yelling at your parents, screaming, um, sneaking out, stuff like that. Um, even if you did not lie, even if you did not uh, fornicate, even if you do not make a false idol, you can keep every single commandment except one, no matter how big or small, and still you are guilty. Now, in a court of law, say you trust yourself, Um, in Jesus and believe in him and have a relationship with him. He is sort of like the um, redemption. He pays your fines. Say you have, you know, a bunch of speeding fines, a bunch of parking tickets, but someone, a stranger comes in and pays them for you. You are guilty, but they are paid so they can legally let you go. That's kind of what Jesus is. He's kind of um, that man that stands up, pays for your sins, even though you are guilty of them. Um, just because God is a just God, he can let you go into the kingdom of heaven. Um, and this is really the tragedy of the unbeliever. Um, because they will go throughout their entire lives living off of that good person. Um, falsely, you know, we all think we are good people. But in the eyes of God, we all fall short. That's what the Bible says throughout um If we are compared to righteousness, we are evil, pretty much. Um, um, That's why, you know, thank God for his grace and mercifulness and forgiveness, um, or else we'd all be screwed, (laughs) pretty much. Um, But really, what happens um, when someone does not say, believe in Jesus, They will go throughout their entire lives thinking they're good people and then they will go to hell because they did not put their faith in Jesus and therefore he cannot save them of their sin. That's plain and simple. The Lord says that um, there is no other way um, to my father except through me. If you do not believe in Jesus, there is no way. (coughs) There's no way for you to enter the kingdom of God. Um. But it also says in the Bible, there will be people um, on, this is referencing, it does not say judgment day in the verse, but it's referencing in the context to when people go up to the Lord and are judged. People say, oh, well, we did all these good acts, we um, cast the spirit out in your name and everything like that. But what the Lord is saying is he will not, um, he will not judge you on what you did good. He will judge you on what you did wrong. That is the fine point. You can give so much to charity. You can be very generous. You can be loving. You can be kind. But if you sin and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, then there's nothing he can do for you. He cannot let you in because you were technically an unsanctified, unclean vessel. And he can't, um, risk plugging heaven with that. Um, and that's that. Um, People say they are atheists, but they are good people, and they think they'll go to heaven. Um, That is a really, really risky thing. I can't say yes or no. I can't say God will give you a last chance. I can't say um, anything like that. But it's it's, why risk it, though? Why would you risk something so great? Um, Why would you risk the suffering? Why would you risk... um, your life, because it is a spiritual death, uh, and the spiritual death is way worse than any physical death can be. It is excruciating. It is isolating. Um, If you want to know more about what that would be, look at my earlier episodes about um, hell and stuff like that to explain what it's like um, in greater detail. But it is. I don't even understand why people would um, risk such a thing like that. Um, but it's a it's a trap for the enemy. People get trapped all the time, and um, and the only thing that can set them free is the truth. Um, they are metaphorically say they're just in a cage, and it's all comfy. You know, they're in the prison, but it's super comfy and there's no reason to leave. But there's like a thick fog and they can't see through it. They can't see why they're there. They just kind of go day to day. La Um, that's pretty much what it is like a life for an unbeliever. Um, and it's, um, the only thing that can bring them out of that, snap them out of that, bring them out of that jail cell is when their decision, but that decision comes from someone on the outside speaking into that jail cell telling them about the truth, telling about the situation they're in. It's not like you walk up to someone who's in a pit and say, hey, you're in a pit, and walk away. No, you walk up, you're like, oh, this person's in trouble, I need to help them out. That's that's basically what needs to happen for people to get out of those situations, and which is why I'm speaking about it at the moment. Um, so, if, you know, if you feel a conviction on your heart, uh, reach out to someone. Um, Um, If you don't know how to pray, ask how to pray. I bet there's so many YouTube videos about it. Um, Take it with a grain of salt. I don't approve everything that's on YouTube. There's a lot of um, iffy stuff on there about uh, Christianity and stuff like that. So, um, uh, If you know someone um, who knows uh, Christianity, how to pray, how to do simple things like that, and you trust them enough, um, you can reach out to them, start a relationship with the Lord. Um, And just start from there. Save yourself. You can literally die tomorrow. You can have a brain aneurysm. You can be completely healthy, hit by a car, whatever have you. Um, I don't think it's worth waiting another minute. Um, And this is, like, not meant to scare you. It's more of a uh, loving call to those who are listening and are on the fence about God or totally opposed to God, which is actually also a sin. <laughs> and um it's it's um kind of me seeing um that the road you're going on is a road i would wish no one to be on not even someone uh, who's my worst enemy um i would not wish them to go upon that road because that road leads to horrors and death and isolation and um you will actually cease to exist on that road, you will cease being who you are. Um, it just you will lose literally everything on that road, and it's even terrifying for me to think about. Um, even though I am saved, and the basis upon why I'm reaching out also is because I'm saved. I'm already saved myself, so I might as well go save others. That is what we are called to. Um, you either are a missionary <laughs> in this life, you either are a Christian who's you know, loving people and actively trying to save those around you, um, not trying to force people things down people's throats, stuff like that. Um, or you're not a Christian. I I strongly believe that you either are actively working in um, God's kingdom and you're trying to um, advance advance His kingdom, advance His works to glorify Him, have a relationship with Him, bring people along with you when you go to your home in heaven. Um, if you're not actively doing that, I don't think you are um, a real believer in the Lord. You were just kind of you said the prayer, you did the thing, and you kind of walked away from it. Um, I got on a really weird tangent, and I apologize, but I wanted to run over um, what is sin, and that's um sort of an in detail generalization. It's not a generalization of what it is. I hope I went into enough detail. And hey, research it some more. I don't know everything. Um, no one really knows everything. Uh, actually, no one will know everything. God is all knowing, and if someone else is all knowing, then I, I don't I got I gotta go I gotta go study that. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's um that's my two cents on that. What is sin? How can it affect you, your family? um, and what can you do to prevent it, um, I can go over, I think I'll put that in my state of mind video, and how powerful your state of mind is, how powerful your mind is, um, and how can you combat sins, stuff like that through the mind, because the mind is a warfare, you fight things constantly every day, whether you know it or not, um, temptations, whether it be going to get fast food, whether it be going, like, just, like, some simple th- stuff, simple stuff, now, going to get fast food is not a sin. I'm just saying, um, you can spend your money a little more wisely. (laughs) Um, um, yeah, that's, um, that's all I have to say. Um, that was just kind of off the top of my head. What I have studied, none of that was, um, uh, like my own opinion. Um, that is stuff that has, um, theologians and, uh, Christian scholars have agreed on for generations after generations, um, even thousands of years if you look at the Old Testament stuff. So uh, I just want to leave you with that. And um, I'll see you next time.